Good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. I want to welcome you. I want to begin this morning with, with a story. Surprise, surprise. Heard about a little boy who was in a Hallmark greeting store and he's walking up and down the aisles and obviously he was looking for a card and one of the clerks came up and said, can I help you find a card? Maybe the right card for the situation? Do you know, um, you're looking for an anniversary card, maybe for your mom and dad, or a birthday card for a brother or sister, maybe a get well card for a grandparent? The boy said, no, I'm looking for one that looks like a blank report card. <laughs> you know, we've had some starts and stops along the way here, but today we are wrapping up this sermon series that we're calling Meant for More. And we've been talking about growing spiritually. And I didn't want to wrap this series up without spending a little bit of time talking about, okay, now what? Well, so what? We've been talking about being meant for more. We've been talking about these, these blessings and these things that we are, um, you know, uh, promised. What do we do with that? And maybe a better question is, how are we doing with that? And just like that little boy in my story, we don't get to grade ourselves. We don't get to decide how we're doing. It's really up to God to decide how we're doing with all the more that we've been blessed with. Now, God, what do I do with all of those things? As I'm growing spiritually, what am I doing? And what's that going to look like? What does Jesus really expect from a growing, maturing, transforming follower? And we talk about that just about every week, but I want to be sure, and before I wrap up this series, stress one expectation that Jesus has from every single one of his followers. It is so well known. It is so famous. Craig even referenced it today in his comments. It's the Great Commission. Right before Jesus goes back to heaven, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We are expected, in fact, we're commanded to go tell people about Jesus. You know that. You know the Great Commission. Nothing about what I've said so far has surprised you. You know we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. We're supposed to be introducing people to Jesus. So why is that so hard to do? This morning I want to share with you some thoughts and, and some scriptures, and I hope that it's encouraging as we think about what we are to do with all that we've been given and I really want to start with kind of a, a question, and that is, how many of you have a bucket list? How many of you have a bucket list? Well, some people will admit it. You know, whether you actually make a list or not, lots of times we'll have things in our mind that we think, okay, someday I want to do that. Or someday I want to do that thing. And we sort of keep track of those things that we really look forward someday to doing. And whether you keep a list or not, you're at least familiar with the term, a bucket list. It was made really famous several years ago in the movie by the same name, The Bucket List, starring Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. Two characters that had absolutely nothing in common, with the exception of they shared a hospital room and they were both terminally ill. One was a billionaire, one was a mechanic. And one day, uh, one scene that's kind of the definitive scene as far as the premise of the movie 
Jack Nicholson finds a list that Morgan Freeman had made, his bucket list, things he wanted to do before he kicked the bucket. And on the list he read things like, help a complete stranger for the good. Laugh until I cry. And Jack Nicholson gives him a look and says, I don't want to be judgmental, but your list is extremely weak. And he takes a pencil and he starts writing on the list. And Morgan Freeman says, what are you doing? He says, I'm making some improvements. And he hands him back the list and Morgan Freeman looks at it and just starts laughing hysterically. When he finally kind of calms down, he says, kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. Now, how do you propose to do that? And if you remember, Nicholson looks at him and says, volume. And here's why I like that clip. That clip kind of says, your expectations are too low. I think too many Christians, we set our sights too low. To quote a very wise man, I, I think a lot of Christians are living beneath their privilege. I believe the life that God wants us to live and the life that so many people are living, they're miles apart. And as we've talked this year about, uh, you know, we're living beneath our privilege in regard to what God wants us to experience, I think we're also living beneath our privilege in what God expects from us. How we're doing in our effectiveness for Jesus. The opportunities that we have to, to introduce people to Jesus. And the opportunities that we miss for telling people about Jesus. You know, maybe it's just a lack of focus that keeps us quiet. A lot of things going on in our lives. Maybe it's a lack of a, a sense of urgency why we don't really speak up more than we do. Maybe we're a little bit um, unsure of ourselves. You know, we don't want to embarrass ourselves. We don't know enough. Maybe we think we don't want to embarrass the Lord somehow. You know, I suppose there's lots of reasons why too many Christians live their lives in sort of a whisper. But I really do think that God expects more. I think God deserves more. He commands us to be sharing the good news of Jesus. So this morning I want to take a look at the life of probably the greatest missionary that ever lived, the Apostle Paul. And I want to look at just how God used this guy Paul to, to do more than he ever could have done by himself. And I want to begin with a very significant statement that Paul makes in Romans chapter 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's an easy statement to make when you're in here, when we're all together. It's a lot harder statement to live out there. But if you look at the life of Paul, he doesn't just talk the talk. Paul really does walk the walk. And when you think about it, when you, when you look at his life, Paul had some reasons to stay quiet. He had some reasons not to be real vocal about sharing Jesus with other people. One past failures. We know that before his conversion, Paul lived a completely different life. He persecuted Christians, arrested them, put them in jail, put them to death. And I've often wondered how Paul was able to live with himself, with the memory of his past actions. You know, I wonder if the face of Stephen sort of haunted him in his dreams as Paul stood there watching and consenting to the stoning of Stephen. I wonder if all the, those memories of all those people and all those lives and all those families that were shattered, 
because of his actions. I wonder if those things kept Paul awake at night. Yeah, Paul had a checkered past. And I'm sure he wasn't proud of the things that he'd done in the life before he met Jesus. Paul, I'm sure, carried with him a lot of shame and a lot of regret. But Paul was really clear on one point. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul also had some physical limitations. He had some problems in his life. The Bible talks about people like David being handsome. Joseph is described as being strong and handsome. Daniel is described as being handsome and fair. Not Paul. Three different times Paul asked God to remove what he calls a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that was, but it was something that slowed him down. Some people uh, have surmised it must have been uh, poor eyesight. And there's a little bit of evidence to maybe support that. Some people think, no, it's probably a, some kind of a seizure disorder. And there's a little bit of evidence that maybe supports that. We don't know what it was, but it was something that Paul said, you know what, if I didn't have to worry and deal with this, I would be so much effect, more effective for Christ. And of course, God's answer is, my grace is sufficient. I want you to trust in me. You know, Paul had some physical limitations. He had some things that slowed him down. He had some things that he had to just kind of address in his own life. But Paul remained clear on this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we also sort of think of Paul as this larger-than-life individual. You know, we think Paul was like the greatest preacher that ever lived. We can't compare ourselves to Paul because everybody listened to Paul. But that's not exactly accurate. Look at what a couple uh, people thought about Paul. 2 Corinthians 10. For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he's unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. And then I put up there too a newer translation, the same, same reference. Don't bother about his letters, some say. He sounds big, but it's all noise. When he gets here, you'll see that there's nothing great about him and you've never heard a worse preacher. That is the Apostle Paul they're talking about. Wow. Those are Christians saying, you've never heard a worse preacher. Kind of gives people like me some hope, I guess. You know, his writings are weighty, but there's nothing impressive about him. There's nothing special about him. People were very critical of Paul's preaching. History tells us that Paul was probably short, quite possibly overweight, Maybe bald. I had a Bible professor that told me Paul probably looked like Mr. Magoo or Uncle Fester. If you're younger than 45, Google image those guys. Kind of looks like me, unfortunately. Not a look that a lot of people are going for. No, Paul didn't have a lot of reasons to probably feel good about the way he looked. I wish I looked differently. I wish I was more commanding. I wish I, I wish I commanded a room when I walked into it. I wish I was healthier. There's a lot of things that uh, I'm not proud about about me. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul lived his life on a mission for Jesus. And his, that mission began as soon as he recognized Jesus as Lord. Paul, this brand new Christian starts telling people about Jesus. Most of you are very familiar with his conversions found in Acts chapter 9. He's on his way to Damascus actually to arrest Christians there. 
Jesus appears to him on the road. He's blinded there by a bright light. He's told to go into the city and wait. A guy named Ananias comes along and shares with him. And we read in Acts 9.18, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. He's being called Saul. Here his name's about to be changed to Paul. In verse 20 says, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Paul immediately begins to tell people the truth, the good news about Jesus. He doesn't wait until he knows every book, chapter, and verse. Of course, he's in the process soon of writing a lot of those books. But he doesn't wait till he's arrived. He doesn't wait till okay, I've got it all figured out. In fact, you see the end of his life. He's saying the same thing. I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, you know, I'm trying. I'm working on it. My goal is to introduce people to Jesus. Yeah, I might be a brand new Christian. I might still be, have some things that I need to, to understand a little bit more perfectly and, and need to know a little better. But I'll tell you this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul had a lot of reasons to keep quiet about Jesus. But he also had some good reasons to speak up as well. You know what one of Paul's favorite strategies was? He told his story. He just told people what Jesus did for him. At least two other times in the book of Acts, chapter 22 and 26, Paul shares his story. He talks about when he met Jesus and what Jesus did for him. He talks about going from lost to saved, from darkness to light. Today we'd call that, you know, he gave his testimony. There's something really powerful about a story. There's something really powerful about a testimony. Paul used his. Now what's one way you can share Jesus with someone else? Share your story. Just tell people what Jesus did for your life. Just talk about the hope that you have, the peace that you found, the blessings that you enjoy because of Jesus. Anytime you share with someone how the love of God changed the life, especially if it's your life, it's a powerful thing. We need to use our story. Paul did. And the focal point of Paul's story became, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's another one of Paul's strategies. Start with people you know and love. Yeah, he was this fantastic missionary, but he paid close attention to people that were special to him as well. He calls Timothy his true son in the faith. He wrote a couple letters to Timothy in order to encourage him in the Lord. I've been told that 47.3 of all statistics are made up on the spot. Probably true. But I do believe this statistic. Nine out of ten people that have come to Jesus did so because someone cared enough to tell them about Jesus. And you know that's true. Because someone cared enough about you to tell you about Jesus. None of us figured it out on our own. Someone loved you enough. Someone cared enough to say, let me tell you about Jesus. Someone close to you had the courage to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet, Paul didn't just limit his teaching to people that he knew the best. 
he realizes, you know what, everybody needs Jesus. In Acts chapter 17, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As, was his, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Paul says, I don't care if I don't know you people or not. I don't, it doesn't matter to me if we're sort of strangers. I've got something you need to know. I've got good news for you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you something else about Paul. He didn't discriminate, and he wasn't intimidated. He didn't try to stop and figure out, okay, who's the best candidate for me to talk to Jesus about? He just told people about Jesus. He finds himself in the city of Athens, a very pagan city. And he's sort of waiting for the group to catch up with him in Acts chapter 17. And he realizes Athens is, is just full of idols. And a lot of people would have been intimidated by that. That didn't intimidate Paul. In fact, that seemed to motivate Paul. In verse 22, Luke says, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown. I'm going to proclaim to you. And he goes on and tells those people about the resurrected Christ. And Paul says, you've got a lot of different ideas here. You guys are kind of all over the board, aren't you? But you're smart. And you're deep thinkers. And a lot of people would say, this isn't really the time or the place to bring up religion. Now, I'm not sure I want to get into that discussion here. But again, that doesn't stop Paul. In fact, Paul, surrounded by these people with all these different thoughts and ideas, says, you know what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's message was Jesus crucified. There's people in our lives, in our communities, that desperately need to hear that message. They just need to know Jesus. They need to know the good news of what Jesus does and what Jesus did. They just, they're just not sure where to go. They're not sure who to look to. Are we going to keep quiet? Are we going to speak up? Well, I don't know. I've had such a checkered past. I've done some things that Man, I'm not proud of, and everybody knows it. Yeah, kind of like Paul. Now, I got some things going on in my own life that I got to deal with. Yeah, it's sort of like Paul. Well, I don't know a whole lot. Well, you know, to begin with, nobody does, right? Even Paul. What do I say? Tell people your story. Tell people what Jesus did in your life. Talk about the peace and the comfort and the blessings that, that you experience. Trust the Holy Spirit strengthen you. You know, you think about all the things that are going on with us right now. Bay Area family. Think about all the people who are struggling. All the families who, for some reason or another, are hurting. All the people that we know in this family that are just going through a really, really tough part of their life. You think that's unique to us? 
I mean, we are our community, right? You think there aren't other people out there that are going through really, really hard times in their lives? Of course there are. This week, you're going to talk to people and you're going to interact with people who are going through a really deep valley. And they're going to be looking for somebody to give them some hope. You're going to meet somebody this week that desperately needs a smile. You're going to meet somebody this week that needs somebody to talk to them about serious things because they're going through some serious things. You're going to meet people this week who really could use some good news. The question is, are we going to allow Jesus to be part of those conversations? Or are we ashamed of the gospel of Jesus? I want to wrap up with, with kind of a neat image that we read about in Scripture. It deals with what we're talking about this morning, but it's a really neat image, and I've, I've got a feeling maybe you missed it. It's in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is giving instructions to 72 people. He's sending them out to do what we've been talking about. He said, I want you to go out, I want you to go out in the towns and the villages, and I want you to tell people about the kingdom. I want you to tell people about me. And as Jesus is giving the instructions to these 72 individuals, everything about the instructions sounds terrifying. Here's what he tells them. Your mission is going to be very much like sheep in the middle of a pack of hungry wolves. Whoa. He tells them, you're not going to have enough supplies for your journey. (laughs) Really. He tells them, there's places where you're going to go where you're just going to be rejected. Just expect it. Okay. And then maybe worst of all, he says, I'm not going to be with you. You're going to have to go out. You're not even going to go out in a big group. It's two by two. You and somebody else. You're going to go out to these random towns and these these random villages. Talk to complete strangers. You think about how intimidating that would be. You think about how, how hesitant those 72 had to be as they left. The anxiety and just in doing that. And yet what we find out is when they return to Jesus, it's a whole different scene than their send-off. When they come back, Luke says, they're filled with joy. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They come back and they tell Jesus, hey, it worked. It was, it was kind of awesome. We did what you asked us to do. We told people about the kingdom. We told people about you. People listened. Things happened. It filled them with joy. It filled us with joy. It was great. And then I want you to notice Jesus' reaction. And here's why I said I think, think you might have missed this. But it's such a neat response. Verse 21. At that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said. And he goes on to tell them some very important information. But I want you to notice Jesus' heart. I want you to notice Jesus' response when he hears about their adventures. When he hears about their successes. Luke tells us Jesus' heart explodes in joy. Jesus was filled with joy when they came back with their report. Now, it's a little bit difficult to find images and drawings or paintings of a joyful Jesus, but I did a bit of a Google search, and I came up with one. 
You know what? I think that's how Jesus looked when those 72 returned. They said, Jesus, we did what you asked us to do, and it was, it was great. It, it changed people's lives. It changed our lives. And I think that was Jesus' reaction. And you know what? I think that's still his reaction. I think it brings Jesus great joy when people who love him tell other people who don't know him about him. It brings us joy. It certainly brings people who need Jesus joy. The Scripture says it brings Jesus joy as well. Pretty neat thought, isn't it? Pretty good image. This week, this family, the Bay Area Church of Christ, has the opportunity to make a tremendous impact on our friends and our neighbors and our community. A tremendous impact. How? Volume. We can be Jesus to so many people. And we can show the love of Jesus to so many people. And we can make Jesus part of our conversations with so many people that somebody is going to say, tell me more. That's just what I needed to hear. Thanks for sharing. And that's where you come in. And that's where I come in. Because despite all of our shortcomings and all of our hang-ups and all of our inadequacies, all of our reasons to stay quiet, I hope we can say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've got a lot of reasons to stay quiet. But I have been meant for more. I have been blessed with more. And I want to share more. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my prayer for us this morning. Maybe that's your prayer as well. As always, we've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. If you've got something on your heart you just need to share with people who love you, something we might be able to pray with you about, there are going to be some people here at the front of the auditorium, and we invite you to come meet us there. Let's stand and sing.